Hello and welcome to episode three of my uh, fiction podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm going with Scott Roche's Omniverse because really this is going to be a sampling of all of my fiction. There, there are multiple worlds involved and uh, the whole verse thing seems to be uh, I guess somewhat popular and with good reason because we as writers are developing not just singular worlds but uh, but a whole universe of stories. So uh, moving forward Scott Roche's Omniverse. This particular story uh, The Good Samaritan, uh, there's a little bit of history here. I several years ago uh, collaborated with a friend of mine in England and He'd write a story, and I would write a story, and he'd write a story, and I'd write a story. And the, the stories would sort of incorporate elements from the previous stories. So this particular story incorporated a pair of Doc Martens from the story previous uh, to it. And it's not important that you know the, the story before it, because they weren't really connected in any other way besides this one element. But I wanted to tell a—I wanted to take a popular critter— uh, supernatural critter and give it my own little spin so I won't really say any more than that but I will say that I, I hope this little story is as creepy and as interesting as I think it is and I also with this story wanted to give uh, Beck Viper a chance to do the voice work for it um, I think she does a great reading and I uh, want to give uh, I want to give voiceover actors like her more of an opportunity to hone their skills and so uh, I was really glad to get this audio from her if you're interested in contributing a reading uh, drop me a line also if you're listening to this in 2012 and uh, you know once it's on the internet it's on the internet forever so no guarantees first of all happy new year second of all during the course of the year I will be giving away an ebook a week um, because this is going to be time shifted somewhat and you might might not be listening to this and in a given week, just go check scottroche.com slash thoughts, and that's my author site where I blog about a variety of stuff. That's where I'll be giving away books, or at least putting the details there. Uh, and there will be books by different authors. Why am I giving away books by different authors? Um, well, as much as I'd love for you to read my stuff, I also want you to read these other people's stuff, and free is a good way to get it into your hands. And contests, you know, build some excitement. So, so yeah, go check it out. See what I'm giving away in the week that you're listening to this. And keep checking back. Uh, also, go ahead and uh, keep checking back here and get the, uh, get the fiction that I'm dropping into your ear holes. So, uh, with that, I will uh, say have a great week. And I hope you enjoy the story. The Good Samaritan part of Through a Glass Darkly by Scott Roche. Trudy walked from her tiny bedroom into the living area she shared with her three flatmates. She was dressed to the nines in black leather from shoulders to feet, duster, corset, pants, and 18-hole Doc Martens. The dark colors contrasted against what pale skin was visible and her long platinum hair restrained by a thin leather cord. Even her coal-rimmed eyes were a watery blue. She was a study in contrasts, inside and out. "'You look delightfully dreadful dreary,' Callie giggled at her own alliteration. 
The live Pakistani got up from the couch and straightened the layers of silky scarves that covered her dark skin. Each square hung from a leather harness, the whole effect revealing no more than normal street clothes might, but hinting at a lot more. They traded mostly platonic kisses, Trudy wincing at the taste of cigarette smoke. Thanks, sweet. She tugged the duster close around her, feeling the large-bladed bowie knife digging into her side. Her last boyfriend, Larry, gave the blade to her, encouraging her to keep it for protection. Her size and strength alone, useful in her day job as a lorry driver delivering kegs to the local pubs, was usually enough, but the South London neighborhood they lived in wasn't very safe. Ready to hit the party? Please, yes. I'm about to die from boredom. Kali did a little pirouette, causing the scarves to shift and revealing more of her skin and the swirls of henna that decorated every inch of it. Trudy smiled appreciatively. Well, we can't have that. The blokes at the party should liven things up a little. She was looking forward to tonight and had been for weeks. Kent, who pulled pints down at the local, knew of a barn for rent in Essex and there would be a bonfire and plenty of booze and good music. The muscles in her broad shoulders unknotted just thinking about it. If they don't, I shall. She pulled a long, dark green wrap around her and waited for Trudy to open the door. The two ladies walked out into the chilly night, stepping quickly to the old motorbike that was Trudy's main form of transport. Ben, the one before Larry, helped her rebuild it from the ground up. It looked like an old surplus from the last Great War, and it was for the most part. The new engine had plenty of power, though, and she loved it for its classic lines. Kali crawled into the sidecar and kicked the breakdown kit out of her way with one foot. She pulled on her helmet with a slight grimace. When are you going to get a proper car? Is chewing a helmet, Trudy grinned wickedly. When I'm old. The bike rode to life and they took off down the unlit street. The smog-like cloak fell away behind them as they headed into the countryside. The party was about a half hour outside of town, so they both settled in and enjoyed the ride. Once on the country roads, she slowed the bike and took a flask that Kali had produced from somewhere. The wind cut through even her leathers, and she needed the false warmth it offered. It was good that she did, since just as they crested the top of a hill, she saw a car in the ditch. If they had been moving at speed, she would have never noticed. Its nose was pointing down, and she could just see the light from its headlamps diffused by the murky standing water. The bike came to a stop, and she dismounted. Wait here, love. I'm going to see if they need a hand. Callie pouted. TB, she whined Trudy's nickname. It was short for Triple B, itself an abbreviation of Big Blonde Bitch. It was endearing from her female friends and dangerous for anyone else to use. Why don't we just keep going? I don't see anyone. Let someone else stop. Trudy tutted at her. Don't fret. Shouldn't be too long. And if nobody's here, we'll keep going. She circled around the bike to the sidecar and held out her hand. Hand me the torch. With a resigned look, Collie fished it out of the kit and gave it to her. Be careful. Always. The light flared to life, cutting through the gloom. She crossed the road and took in the scene. The engine on the brand new bright red roadster was still running. There was no one inside it, so Trudy leaned down and opened the door. She cut it off and pocketed the keys. No sense in wasting the petrol. In the increased silence, a noise caught her ear. It sounded like sobbing. She couldn't be certain because the growling of her bike interfered. 
It sounded like it was coming from some trees just beyond the far ditch bank. The short hairs on the back of Trudy's neck stood, but she was determined to find out what was going on. A few steps carried her back to the motorcycle. I'm going to go check this out. I think I heard someone crying over by those trees. They could be badly hurt. Do you want to run to the party and get someone with a van to come back here in case someone is hurt? She knew that Kali could handle the bike well enough. Kali shook her head violently. Hell no! I'm not leaving you alone. I wish you would just ride to the party and come back with more people. I am scared. Don't worry, Kali. I'll be okay. A peck on Kali's cheek and she ran and jumped the ditch. Farther from the noise of her bike, she could hear that it was indeed someone crying. It was a weary sound, like a child would make at the end of a long jag. There was a break in the trees just a few feet away. In the circle of light, she saw that the grass there mashed flat as though something heavy had been dragged through it. When she got to the clearing beyond the trees, the sight revealed by her torch almost made her wretch. A figure in soiled rags hunched over a very dead man and was making a meal of his lower intestine. Just beyond the creature was a young lady. Her black skirt was raked up above her waist and her silk blouse ruined by mud and ripped nearly to shreds. The creature, she couldn't think of it as anything else, looked up as light broke through the trees and snarled at her, reddish-black teeth gleaming. Slowly the thing rose from its squatting position and began to move towards her. Yellow eyes shone back at her, catching the bright light. Shorter than she was by at least a head and more wiry, it didn't look like much of a threat, but she found herself unable to move. Sheer terror rooted her to the spot. It seemed to rely on this reaction because it never moved quickly. It reached the halfway point when Trudy came to her senses. Whatever this thing was, she had fended off bigger and uglier men. Her knife practically flew from its sheath, a move that Larry made her practice ad nauseum because he thought it was dead cool. She humored him at the time because he may have been a manipulative wanker, but he was amazing in bed. The steel gleamed in the harvest moon's light. Her opponent seemed unfazed by this presentation and continued its slow approach. She circled around, heading towards the lady, keeping the beast in front of her. Halfway to her target, she realized that she had been muttering an almost constant stream of obscenities the whole time. Finally, she put herself between the two. All right, Missy, I want you to run through that line of trees that I came through and wait by my bike. I'll hold this one off. As she said it, the thing leapt, snarling with its long bony fingers outstretched. Trudy ducked under its assault and stepped forward and at an angle away from it, sweeping her blade in an arc. The creature landed awkwardly, and her blow caught it in the small of its back. It lacked power, but the spikes ripped pale gray skin and drew perfectly red blood. It snarled at the pain and whipped around. They faced off again, this time just outside of arm's reach of one another. She decided to use her superior size and try to bulldoze the thing into the ground. It proved faster than she had guessed and folded up and rolled to the side. As she passed the crouching horror, it caught her foot and tripped her. Tucking into a roll prevented her from hurting anything as she fell, but she landed flat on her back and lost her knife and torch in the process. Not a second later, the thing jumped onto her chest and sought out her throat with gnashing teeth. Hot, fetid breath filled her nostrils, and she heaved it off, screaming in fear and anger. It landed on its back a few feet away. She quickly came to her feet, still screaming incoherently, and hurried to the spot where it lay. In the struggle, her hair came loose and framed her face. Anyone who saw her like this, eyes blazing and makeup running down her pale face as she shrieked at the top of her lungs, 
might have an understanding of where the banshee legend came from. Her right foot came back and she drove the toe of her spit-shined boot into its ribcage. A rotting, cracking sound and a wet snarl gave her an idea of the success of her effort. Trudy glanced over to where she thought the girl was and saw her still lying there, motionless. The creature took this opportunity to leap on her again, coming up from the ground in a blur. Claws raked at her eyes, and she felt a warm stickiness flow from a cut in her scalp. Fingers had caught in her hair and ripped some of it free. She screeched again and slammed both fists into its gut. Foul air and spit blew from its mouth, the wetness splattering on her cleavage. The twin blows knocked it back a step, and she threw another kick, this one aiming for its crotch. Man or not, she was determined to put it down for the count. Something squished and gave under the hard leather assault, and the thing screamed, doubling over. Trudy brought both hands down in a double-fisted club on the back of its neck. It fell and lay on the ground, writhing in pain. She ran for the girl, scooping up her blade on the way. When she got there, she could see that the young lady was still breathing fast and shallow. She knelt down and started to pull her up. The odd shuffling gait behind her let her know that it had gotten up and was coming her way. Kali's voice cut through the night. Watch out, TD! The blonde giantess stood, spinning around only to see that the thing changed tactics and was heading towards her flatmate. The weight of this girl seemed nothing, and she broke into a trot after it, closing easily. Blood flowed into her left eye, and her torch was long gone, but the moon came out from behind a cloud, and she could see the hideous thing with little difficulty. Once within striking distance, she threw her foot out and caused him to stumble and fall. Determined not to let it get her friend, she jumped up and landed with both knees in the small of its back. Bones cracked and gave way under her weight, and a thick groan came from it. She brought her blade down again and again into the base of its neck, and after a moment of that began smashing its skull with the knuckle spikes. She didn't stop until the crunching had taken on more of a squishing sound. Blood and brains coated her right hand and its metal extension. Weary from the exertion, she stumbled to her feet and saw the look of horror on Kali's face. "'What the hell was that thing?' Kali asked. Her voice shook and tears flowed down her cheeks. Her own voice was unstable as she replied, "'Hell if I know, but I hope it's dead.' It was eating. Before she could finish the sentence, her last male made a messy exit from her mouth caused by adrenaline, revulsion, and the charnel smell that clung to her. Once finished, she shook violently and was calm once more. Let's get to the bike and civilization. Slowly, Trudy walked over to the wounded woman, picking her up and putting her over one shoulder in a fireman's carry, Collie helping her as best she could. Trudy's burden seemed to gain weight with each step. They found a place to cross the ditch a little further up and made it to the bike, finally needing to carry the limp girl between the two of them. They secured her in the sidecar, and Collie rode behind Trudy. The three women rode slowly into the night and away from the horror behind them. In the moonlit clearing, the body of the young man began to stir. After a few minutes, it managed to get up under its own power, even though it had to hold its guts in with one hand. Its free hand found the black leather cord and brought it up for a good sniff. Satisfied, it tucked the strand in a pocket. Feasting on the remains of the other, it felt its flesh begin to knit back together. The meal's last memory was of the blonde woman and the pain it had brought. The road was long, but the creature knew by the scent of exhaust which way she had gone, and it began its slow, steady walk to find her. You've been listening to The Good Samaritan, part of through a Glass Darkly by Scott Roche. 
narrated by Beck Viper.